the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ten lepers are healed of leprosy, and only one returns to give thanks to Jesus. Don't be like the nine lepers. Look at your health, your blessings of house and home, family and food, and give thanks to Jesus like the one healed leper. End of sermon. Now we can finish the service. Or should you hear a little bit more about what these healings really mean? Yes, you should, as there's much to this text. All too often, you can hear about the miracle of Jesus and not really understand the importance of his miracles in the lives of the suffering. And why would the Holy Spirit have the evangelists record these miracles? Why is the Holy Spirit having Luke record this for you to hear this evening? Now, first, as you approach the story, remember what leprosy was for these people. Leprosy was a horrible disease where basically you rotted from the outside. You rot it from your limbs and it slowly progressed further and further. It affected the whole body until death. Not only was the disease horrible, but when you had leprosy, you had to separate yourself from your family, your community, and the synagogue. You had to identify yourself as unclean to all who came near. It was as if you were already dead from all that you would treasure. So when Jesus heals them of leprosy, not only is he healing them of a terrible disease, such as he healed others, such as the, the paralytic or the blind man or, or, the, uh, or the man who had been born blind, he was, in fact, restoring them, not only their body, but also themselves to their homes, their communities. And now they can participate as worshipers at the synagogue and temple once again. Jesus was, in fact, giving them back their life. However, there's far more, indeed, to the story when you look at where this occurs in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 17. From chapter 9 onwards, it's 951, the tremendous fulcrum at the Gospel of Luke. 951 says that Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem so that he could die and rise again. He's traveling to Jerusalem. And only a couple times in between 951 and now, in fact, I think there's only one time that it actually mentions that he's traveling towards Jerusalem. So in bringing up that he's going towards Jerusalem, you are reminded that this is set as Jesus is going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Disease and death are a result of the fall. There is not going to be a leprosy without the fall of Adam and Eve. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to conquer disease and death, sin, death, and hell for you and me. He's going to do that by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. He will conquer them so that there will be for you, as well as the lepers and for everyone, the promises of forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, where there will be no leprosy, blindness, paralysis, or any other disease. The healing of the lepers points ahead to the total salvation that will be accomplished because of Christ's death and fulfilled at Christ's return. In healing the lepers, Jesus brings about a healing that points to the total restoration of all who believe in him. However, in our story, nine do not return to give thanks. Their lack of thanks is far more than just being rude. 
They're not praising and giving thanks to the Son of God incarnate who healed them. Now, all nine of these are Jews. They are ignoring their long-awaited Messiah, their long-awaited Christ, the very one who gives them life and who will die for their sins. And Luke has actually two books, Luke and Acts. And as Luke continues with the second book of Acts, you'll see that most of the Jews will reject Jesus. In fact, it would be Jews and Jewish leaders that kill Stephen, kill James, imprison other Jews who believe in Jesus, such as Peter, James, and John, and Thomas, and others. But Jesus did not just die for fellow people of God, his fellow Jews. He died for all. He died for all so that their sins would be forgiven. He rose from, from the dead for all. He has made possible far more than healing from leprosy for all people. Yet most in our age also ignore or reject Jesus. The nine who do not return to give thanks are a warning to you. Consider carefully your own sinfulness. Consider how well you will pay attention to all the Lord's goodness to you. How well he has provided for you with daily bread in this age. Do you know the depth of your own sinfulness and how much you would deserve God's eternal judgment apart from the work of Jesus the Christ? Do you rightly understand all that you have for this bodily life is a gift from your Lord? The ratio of nine to one is a stark ratio. It shows accurately that there'll be far more that reject or just flat out, flat out ignore Christ than believe in him. Look at the world around you. How is the world around you paying attention to Jesus on a day-to-day basis, on a Sunday-by-Sunday basis, even on a day of National Thanksgiving, even at Christmas, even at Easter? But one did know Jesus. One did praise God and gave thanks. He prostrates himself in act of worship before Jesus. And this one was a Samaritan. The Samaritans according to Jews, would not be considered part of the people of God. However, Jesus has mercy on the Samaritan, and he healed him. In doing so, Jesus is showing that he has mercy, and his grace is for all people. He will show greater mercy than this healing by his death on the cross. Jesus dies for all. He dies for the sins of all mankind. His salvation is for all. In healing the Samaritan, Jesus foreshadowing the preaching of the gospel, which you will hear about in the book of Acts. And and just as Jews on Pentecost believed in Jesus and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, so also will the gospel be preached to Samaritans, and they too will be part of the people of God and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Furthermore, the gospel will continue on past Jews and Samaritans to Gentiles, those who worship Zeus and other gods and goddesses. The gospel is for all people. Jesus dies for all. Jesus rises for all. He desires all to be saved. Jesus healed the Samaritan. The Samaritan saw that he was healed, turned back, praised God with a loud voice, and fell at his feet, giving him thanks. The Samaritan believed in Jesus and praised God for the healing and restoration of life that Jesus brought him. I proclaim to you this evening that Jesus has died for your sins and risen from the dead for your life. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. You have the same promise of eternal life with Jesus. 
where you will be with him in the new Jerusalem. You will be at the marriage feast of the Lamb forever. And however good your Thanksgiving meal will be to get tomorrow, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of good meals served tomorrow, the marriage feast of the Lamb that Jesus has prepared for you will be 10,000 times better than any feast you can have here in this age. But meanwhile, you are still in this age. As God's redeemed people, know that God has given Jesus, but he's also provided for your day-to-day life. Your salvation indeed is complete in Jesus, and eternal thanks and praise be to Jesus, the Father who sent his Son, and to the Spirit who creates and sustains life. Our Lord has given all things for this body and life. He's given you the Son, but he also gives you all that you need in this age. I love the Catechism's explanation of the first article. As those redeemed by Christ, realize also what the Father has given you in this age. You pray in the the Lord's Prayer to our Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. And indeed, he does. Indeed, he gives you life, salvation, and the breath that you have in this age. You cannot separate the love of God in giving you your daily bread from the love of God in giving you the bread of life, Jesus Christ. It's the same Father who gives all good gifts to you. So indeed, it is true that everything you have in this age and in the next is given to you by a gracious and merciful God. And thus, we love the words of Luther's catechism in summing up all that the Father has done for us in this age. Here again, the explanation of the first article of the Creed. I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he's given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. And listen to this, this is the beautiful line. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. All thanks and praise for all of God's gifts of life and salvation, now and eternally. Amen.